Today's scripture lesson comes from Mark, from the uh, Mark 13 chapter, verses 24 through 37. The coming of the Son of Man. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. The lesson of the fig tree. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gate. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The necessity for watchfulness. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This has been the word of the God for the people of God. Right after seminary, I served three churches that were 62 miles apart from each other. I preached at all three churches every Sunday, and Sissy went with me. By the third church, she could have preached for me. Uh, we were on a tight schedule, needless to say, back then. And early in one, uh, early in our time at those churches, Sissy and I agreed on a symbol. She needed to let me know when it was getting close to the time to wind things up and get on the road to the next church. So you know what she did. Some of you know this already. She would pull her earlobe and let me know it was time to wrap it up. I know that some of y'all know because it has happened here where I looked up on more than one Sunday and there is a whole row of women all pulling on their ears, some of them pulling on both of them. I took the subtle hint and knew that it was time to end, that the end was near. Today, on the first Sunday of Advent, the text we hear is all about the end of the world. Don't you love Advent? We're all getting ready for Christmas. We have holly and decorations. 
Beautiful manger scene, gorgeous tree, poinsettia, poinsettia over there, just blazing red. And we get to read about the end of the world. Welcome to Advent. Welcome to expectation. Welcome to hope. And there is a message of hope in this. This Advent for me is the song of salvation sung by angels. This is a symphony of faith filled with the promise of redemption. And we are reminded that this cosmic ring and sing is filled with wonder and celebration, but that it will also end in chaos and in tumult. How does that make you feel? Does that even matter to you? When was the last time you thought about the end of the world? Because I know it's such a big deal in all of our lives. We think about it all the time. William Miller spent years studying the prophecies of Daniel in the 1800s. And he predicted the time when Christ would return. The first prediction, wrong. The second prediction, wrong. The third prediction, wrong. The fourth prediction, wrong. You think by the fourth prediction, no one would show up. But he had massive amounts of people following him. And in fact, someone at that time said this about what they had seen with their own eyes. Fields were left unharvested. Shops were closed. People quit their jobs. Paid their debts. I got to that one and I said, what an honorable people the world is going to end and they're paying their debts. Most people would say, hey, I got out of those. (laughs) No income tax this year. And they freely gave away their possessions with no thought of repayment. On the fourth prediction, Some people are consumed with the end times. My my roommate in college, after we graduated, he sent me a seven-page legal-sized pad paper, yellow, long sheet, on both sides. All about telling me all about how we were living in the end times. That was my roommate. He looked for the signs and the wonders. Most people, including Christian people, I think, however, are more interested in what the stock market is doing, making their next credit card payment, or planning the, that year's family vacation. Nor are you going on vacation this next year? Help your parents plan it. 
They need supervision. I know them. And who can blame them? About that day and hour, no one knows. Not even Jesus. Not even the Holy Spirit. Only the Father. Does that seem weird to you? I've been taught my whole life, God is three in one. You would think that means what one knows, the others would know. That one would know. Well, you see, you've got to remember that it was the groom's responsibility to build a home for his bride. Now, grooms can get a little eager. They might be tempted to cut corners. They might be tempted to make the house smaller just so it would be quicker to build. Get that bride home. Start living their family life together. But, you see, the father of the groom was in charge. The father of the groom was the one who said when the house was ready. The father of the groom was the one who said when things were complete, when that house was, the building of it was at an end and it was ready for a family and ready to be a home. Only the father knew when his son could return and bring his bride home. No one knows the day and the hour except the father. So why worry about it? Besides, the signs of the end of the world aren't exactly subtle. I am rather certain that most of us would notice if the sun darkened, the moon lost its light, and stars started falling out of the sky. Would you notice that, Betty? You would, Betty. You know you would. Don't you mess up my sermon. So why should the end times matter to us at all? And especially on the first Sunday of Advent. I want to hear about angels. I want to hear about that star wandering around. Stars don't behave that way. This one did. I want to hear about shepherds and angels and mangers and the good stuff. Not the end of the world. Waiting for Christmas to get here is so hard. Even for Al, who wants to slow it down, he's got to work extra hard, so it's even hard for Al. The days go by slowly. Maybe they should. It takes so long, but maybe it should. We're not good at waiting, and this is a time of waiting. Waiting for Jesus to return and gather his bride. Even the Old Testament says, oh, how long must we wait? These verses remind us that we have a mission to perform while we wait, ours is not the kind of waiting where you just sit around twiddling your thumbs saying they knew we were serving the Christmas dinner at 2 
and here it is, 2.30, and we're just sitting here twiddling our thumbs. Where are you? That is not Christian waiting. As Charles Spurgeon once said, by perseverance, even the snails reach the ark. Our mission in these days of waiting is the mission of hope. To persevere in fulfilling a mission of hope. Ours is a story of the greatest of hopes. Ours is the grand proclamation that hope is on the way. Our Lord comes bringing hope. When the sun grows dim and the moon turns dark, when stars start falling from the sky, these verses remind us Jesus is still in control. Imagine what these meant, these words meant to to believers when they were arrested and persecuted for believing in Jesus. To hear verses that say, Jesus is in control. Have hope. When in the homes, when the homes of Jews are turned to rubble by the Romans. Imagine how those families would hear these words saying, Jesus is in control. When the diagnosis is cancer, Jesus is in control. When there is a fire and a family has been devastated, Jesus is in control. When we are out of work, wondering where the next job might come from, Jesus is in control. You see, hope means hoping even in the most desperate of times. Or it means nothing at all. Even in the darkest times when the sun and the moon give no light, the stars are tumbling from the heavens, Jesus is in control. And when Jesus is in control, there is hope. So hear the message of angels. See the sights the shepherds saw. Kneel at the manger as they did. For in that small manger is held the hope of the world. Jesus goes to prepare a place for us. And when that place is ready, the Father will say, fetch your bride, bring her home. Until that day, live with hope. Because Jesus is in control. Amen.